Hello, my name is John White. I'm the curate at St. Mary's Stoke Bishop, and I am also the director of Common Hope. Uh, Common Hope is a ministry that is designed to help pioneering new initiatives come alongside and support the local church and be supported by the local church. I'm introducing a new kind of series here about testimonies of lament is what we're calling them. And really what it is, it's testimonies, it's our story that are told uh, times when kind of stuff hasn't been perfect. Where uh, for whatever reason we've been in a tough time. And what we want to do is hear from a diverse group of people over the next uh, six times. And uh, people from different backgrounds, different histories, different types of stories. But all have a story to tell about God. Some of them will be not wrapped up and tidy at all, but will be ongoing uh, stories that are not necessarily um, all glossy. But that's the idea. Do you know the thing is, I love testimonies, and I love um, a story. I love it. And we are increasingly a culture that is fascinated with story, which are fascinated by stories that talk about um, heroes, that talk about those that have kind of awakened to uh, new seasons of life. Here's what I mean by that. We have, you can think of the story of, you know, Harry Potter, and who is just a normal boy, and then kind of awakens to this reality that he is something more. You have stories of superheroes, like Spider-Man, who is a normal, a normal person, and kind of wakes up, or has an event with that's a radioactive spider, and his life has changed. We have these stories of even in uh, Lord of the Rings, where everyday hobbits do extraordinary things. This kind of narrative of, of superheroes and kind of sci-fi is these stories that are told over and over again of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And you know what? That is great for the movies. And it's great for novels and stories. But I think our stories are not really that way. We don't kind of wake up and have extraordinary kind of magical moments and then our life has changed and we're on the road to success. Our lives are full of roller coasters. It's a roller coaster ride. They're full of these ups and downs and twists and turns. And those parts, the downs and the twists are as important as the ups. We need to be able to tell our stories that way. Because every time we tell our testimony, every time we tell our story, we're making choices about how we tell them. We're making choices. And that affects how we're heard and how we're understood. And it's oftentimes even easy to edit our testimonies together that tell just the right amount of stuff about us, just the right amount of stuff that's not working. So they get a sense, but really it's about how we've kind of come along. It's easy to do. It's how our culture tells us to tell our story. But that's not the goal here. The goal of these stories, the goal of the story I'm about to tell about myself in a little bit, is to be uh, stories of lament. Stories when stuff didn't quite go as expected, didn't go as planned. And yet we tell our stories because they still form and they're still really important in the lives of who we are in God. And one of the reasons this is important for me, I'm going to share just a couple Quick thoughts here, and then I, I wanted to share one of my own testimonies, my own story. One of the reasons this is important is because I remember as a young man, I um, was just growing in my faith, and I was probably 14 or 15 years old. 
And I was encouraged by my youth pastor and my parents to kind of read some stories of great Christian leaders. So I got these books out of, of and bought some books and was really excited to read them. And what I found is that these stories have been told and they were just one successful story linked with another. Just It was as if these people had lived some sort of non-stop spiritual high where everything they did led to more success or they constantly had kind of open-eyed visions and encounters with God that were so overwhelmingly powerful or they had some plan from the time they were born that angels declared their arrival to their parents and this was the story. Yet in these books, none of it showed where I think I really needed, and that was the process. Um, it didn't show it and edited out the ups and downs. And a lot of books are written that way. We're kind of used to telling our story that way, the bits that are kind of exciting. But yet, you know, I believe these people that were did amazing things for the Lord also had issues. They had problems. They had stuff that didn't go right. And that's a story that also needs to be told. If we're really going to be faithful in our testimony, if we're going to be faithful in our, in our ability to share our stories, we have to be able to lament. We have to be able to open our heart and talk about being disillusioned, about being afraid, by being disempowered. And one of the reasons that we do this is because it's deeply biblical. The way the Bible tells stories of leaders is not so polished up and neat and put together that we don't see their failings as well. We see it all the way through. We see it in Adam and Eve and the apple. We see that their story is both a mixture of, of perfection and fall. We see in Moses, this, this giant of the Old Testament, who doesn't make it to the promised land. You know, in the Old Testament, we see it so clearly in Paul even, or in David, sorry. And David, as this um, character that was so patient, was so, um, even from a young age, just kind of patiently went about the Lord's work and defeated giants, who kind of spent those formative years making good choices in the caves. But we also see that it was complicated for him, that it was emotional. We see it in the Psalms that there were times when his whole soul felt downcast and had to be lifted up again. We obviously see this kind of fall of him even as a king with Bathsheba. The repentance that need to come from that. And we see it again in the New Testament as well. We see it with Peter. And I love Peter because I just feel like he, he reminds me of myself. Just saying the wrong thing at the wrong time sometimes. Uh, getting in the way of what the Lord's doing. But he's developing. And he's growing. We see it in Paul where he, he honestly opens up and says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? He talks about the thorn in his side. This idea that he's just kind of per perfect just isn't the reality of these stories. And of course, it's biblical to see it in Jesus as well. The story of Jesus is one of perfection, uh, being perfected in pain and suffering, um, having uh, rejection, having uh, not being believed in, having struggled at the, at the core of that story of Jesus. And if Jesus is perfect, then, and if he can't do it 100% right and go from success 
to success, then what are we about? Yeah? John Swinton in his book, Raging with Compassion, he says this. He says, lament provides us with language of outrage that speaks against the way that things are. But always in the hope that the way things are just now is not the way things will always be. The lament thus is profoundly hopeful. This is what we want to do over the course of this six weeks. Is we want to tell stories of lament. We want to do it because it's the right thing to do. We want to do it because it's reality. We want to do it because it's deeply biblical. And it helps with discipleship. And helping people as they're in spaces where there is tough times and confusion. And we want to also do it because it gives us a way to tell our stories. And process through the difficult things in our life. But also to know that it's hopeful. As we tell these testimonies, we don't want them to be morose and just down, kind of telling a one-sided, dark story. Equally, we don't want them to be so hopeful that they're so polished up that there's no reality left to them. What I want to find in my own story and the stories of those that I encounter are stories and testimonies that are both honest and hopeful at the same time. And this is where I believe we'll find our stories of lament. I hope that they're going to be very encouraging to you as well. So with all of that being said, here's my story. The story I want to tell about a time when I encountered deep rejection. I was living in Edinburgh at the time, and I was putting myself forward for ordination within the Scottish Episcopal Church. And it was uh, challenging. It had taken me a long time to kind of feel first that I was called. I was all the way over in America. It took a long time to get a job to come over to try and test that call. And even when arriving in, in Scotland, there was a long process before I could even meet about it because I was new to the denomination. And so I felt in this call to follow Christ that I had kind of put in a lot of time, that I would put in a lot of energy, and it was already very sacrificial. So as I entered into this process that I kind of gave myself over to in the church, it was um, one that was pretty much met with green lights. There were some questions and there were some different uh, conversations, but I went away and tested it and kind of visited different types of churches and was broadening my understanding of what faith was and accepting those challenges. And it kind of came down to it where there was one last step before I went uh, to a national, um, a national day of selection. And it was this local, this local day. And I went to it, and I prayed a lot about it. And honestly, the day could not have been more difficult. Uh, I confess, you know, really the reality of the fact that I maybe felt less prepared than I should have been. But also I felt that the system itself was very unjust in the way that it encountered me, the way that it didn't listen to me and kind of made assumptions about me as an American, me with my faith background. And so they came back after a couple of days and they said no. Well, it, was a, it was a no. They said, no, you can come back in a year. But the answer is no. We uh, are not going to put you forward 
to become ordained in the Scottish Episcopal Church. And my response to that was kind of that really Christian-y kind of happy face on a tough situation. I was like, yeah, you know what? This is okay. It's all right. It's God. I'm totally fine with it. But I wasn't fine with it at all. I just didn't know I wasn't fine with it. I found that over the next couple of days, I just came, became so angry and really hurt. And I was so, I was so angry and hurt, I, I, would just, I was snapping at my wife and my kids, and I was really grumpy. And my, my wife was so patient. She would say, John, go in your room. You just need to have some, spend some time with the Lord because you're difficult to be around right now. And that was just the reality of it. So I remember kind of going in there. And really the only thing I could do was just sit be, sit in prayer because I was so down. I didn't even have words. I just sat there kind of staring at the wall trying to talk to God. And about a week after this happened, the, the, event, the event, we went on holiday down to Cornwall. And uh, halfway through our holiday, we went to this beautiful um, town right in the water called Foy. Well, they have all these regattas and boats, and it was a sunny day, and there was all these wonderful shops. And uh, whenever I go there, I just feel kind of drawn to the church is right in the center of the town. And so my wife took the kids, and she went about uh, to the shops, and I went and sat in this church in Foy. And, it, and I just thought, I'm just going to pray and encounter the Lord and about all this that's happened. And it was horrible. It was such a cold environment. It felt physically cold. And I actually felt coming in there looking for the Lord as if he was so far away I couldn't even access him. Or He felt like he was just void in that place. Um, and it was really difficult. I felt so disempowered. I felt so um, hurt by wanting to serve the Lord and being told no. It just felt such an injustice. And um, it was so difficult. I just kind of didn't lose my faith. There was, that was never a question. But who I was now and what my journey was, was just so deeply challenged to the core of me. So the next year was a, actually a, a pretty good year. I kind of laid down the call and we made a move down to England to a wonderful little church in Claygate. Um, and uh, kind of started over. Um, didn't really talk about ordination that much. It wasn't really on the cards. And I just thought, you know, in the right time, this will come up again. Um, but I just felt like I needed to put it down for a while. So it comes um, to you a year later, and exactly almost to the day, we're on holiday again in Foy. And it's been a year since I had gotten that no. And um, a year kind of holding that and I went into that church again in Foy, and it was such a, a different story. Rather than feeling that kind of, that dark kind of grief of lament it, and this, this kind of coldness and separation from God, it felt so much that God was with me in that place. The whole church felt illuminated, and I felt like God was close. And... In that church in that day, I just felt that my own repentance was so important. And I just kind of hung my head and asked for the Lord's forgiveness. 
for all the ways that I struggled or all the ways that it had been difficult. And it wasn't as if I felt that all of it had been just bad. It was just, it felt like the right thing to do. It just felt like I was led. And asking for the Lord, for me to be able to take a kind of ownership of my own issues. And in part of this, I also just said, God, I just, I'm too tired. I, I'm too old and I don't have the passion to carry hurt against the church. I, don't, I just don't have it in me. And I just said, God, would you please forgive the Scotch Episcopal Church? Would you let, let them, I let's let them go and I ask that you'd bless them and that you give them life. And I just was so hurt by them that I felt that it was so important that I just pray for blessing. And it was in that moment, in that time when I prayed that, that I just felt the Lord very clearly say, John, it's time to go again for ordination. And that was deeply powerful for me. It was a, it, and you know, even though I would never have thought I could have said it after I received that no, I now see that that time of confusion and rejection and that time of process is deeply intertwined with my calling and my process. And I couldn't imagine kind of being where I am without that experience, um, both in the way that I live, in the way I call, and just I want to see other people called to, to faith and to ministry. It's a part of my journey. It's a part of the wounding that encountered healing, but it's still very much present with me in the way that I minister to people. You've been listening to a New Wine England podcast. For more information, visit new-wine.org.